This is section 15 of the $30,000 Bequest and Other Stories by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Was it Heaven or Hell? Chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Chapter 5 After a little, both aunts were laboring upon a difficult and baffling work in Helen's chamber. Patiently and earnestly, with their stiff old fingers, they were trying to forge the required note. They made failure after failure, but they improved little by little all the time. The pity of it all, the pathetic humor of it, there was none to see. They themselves were unconscious of it. Often their tears fell upon the notes and spoiled them. Sometimes a single misformed word made a note risky, which could have been ventured but for that. But at last Hannah produced one whose script was a good enough imitation of Helen's to pass any but a suspicious eye, and bountifully enriched it with the petting phrases and loving nicknames that had been familiar on the child's lips from her nursery days. She carried it to the mother, who took it with avidity, and kissed it, and fondled it, reading its precious words over and over again, and dwelling with deep contentment upon its closing paragraph. "'Mousy, darling!' if I could only see you and kiss your eyes and feel your arms about me. I am so glad my practicing does not disturb you. Get well soon. Everybody is good to me, but I am so lonesome without you, dear mamma. The poor child! I know just how she feels. She cannot be quite happy without me, and I, oh, I live in the light of her eyes. Tell her she must practice all she pleases, and, Aunt Hannah, Tell her I can't hear the piano this far, nor hear her dear voice when she sings. God knows I wish I could. No one knows how sweet that voice is to me, and to think some day it will be silent. What are you crying for? Only because, because it was just a memory. When I came away she was singing Loch Lomond, the pathos of it. It always moves me so when she sings that and me too how heartbreakingly beautiful it is when some youthful sorrow is brooding in her breast and she sings it for the mystic healing it brings aunt hannah dear margaret i am very ill sometimes it comes over me that i shall never hear that dear voice again oh don't don't margaret i, I can't bear it margaret was moved and distressed and said gently there there let me put my arms around you. Don't cry. There. Put your cheek to mine. Be comforted. I wish to live. I will live if I can. Ah, what could she do without me? Does she often speak of me? But I know she does. Oh, all the time, all the time. My sweet child. She wrote the note the moment she came home? Yes, the first moment. She could not wait to take off her things. I knew it. It is her dear, impulsive, affectionate way. I knew it without asking, but I wanted to hear you say it. The petted wife knows she is loved, but she makes her husband tell her so every day, just for the joy of hearing it. She used the pen this time. That is better. The pencil marks could rub out and I should grieve for that. Did you suggest that she use the pen? Ye no, she... Uh, 
it was her own idea the mother looked her pleasure and said i was hoping you would say that there was never such a dear and thoughtful child aunt hannah dear margaret go and tell her i think of her all the time and worship her why you are crying again don't be so worried about me dear i think there is nothing to fear yet the grieving messenger carried her message and piously delivered it to unheeding ears the girl babbled on unaware looking up at her with wondering and startled eyes flaming with the fever eyes in which was no light of recognition are you no you are not my mother i want her oh i want her she was here a minute ago i did not see her go will she come will she come quickly will she come now there are so many houses and they oppress me so and everything whirls and turns and whirls oh my head my head and so she wandered on and on in her pain flitting from one torturing fancy to another and tossing her arms about in a weary and ceaseless persecution of unrest poor old hannah wetted the parched lips and softly stroked the hot brow murmuring endearing and pitying words and thanking the father of all that the mother was happy and did not know end of chapter five chapter six daily the child sank lower and steadily lower towards the grave and daily the sorrowing old watchers carried gilded tidings of her radiant health and loveliness to the happy mother whose pilgrimage was also now nearing its end and daily they forged loving and cheery notes in the child's hand and stood by with remorseful consciences and bleeding hearts and wept to see the grateful mother devour them and adore them and treasure them away as things beyond price because of their sweet source and sacred because her child's hand had touched them at last came that kindly friend who brings healing and peace to all the lights were burning low in the solemn hush which precedes the dawn vague figures flitted soundless along the dim hall and gathered silent and awed in helen's chamber and grouped themselves about her bed for a warning had gone forth and they knew the dying girl lay with closed lids and unconscious the drapery upon her breast faintly rising and falling as her wasting life ebbed away at intervals a sigh or a muffled sob broke upon the stillness the same haunting thought was in all minds there the pity of this death the going out into the great darkness and the mother not here to help and hearten and bless helen stirred her hands began to grope wistfully about as if they sought something she had been blind some hours the end was come all knew it with a great sob hester gathered her to her breast crying oh my child my darling a rapturous light broke in the dying girl's face for it was mercifully vouchsafed her to mistake those sheltering arms for another's and she went to her rest murmuring oh mamma i am so happy i so longed for you now i can die two hours later hester made her report the mother asked how is it with the child she is well 
End of chapter 6 Chapter 7 A sheaf of white crepe and black was hung upon the door of the house, and there it swayed and rustled in the wind and whispered its tidings. At noon the preparation of the dead was finished, and in the coffin lay the fair young form, beautiful, and in the sweet face a great peace. Two mourners sat by it, grieving and worshipping, Hannah and the black woman Tilly. Hester came, and she was trembling, for a great trouble was upon her spirit. She said, "'She asks for a note.' Hannah's face blanched. She had not thought of this. It had seemed that that pathetic service was ended, but she realized now that that could not be. For a little while the two women stood looking into each other's face with vacant eyes, then Hannah said, "'There is no way out of it. She must have it. She will suspect else.' "'And she would find out.' "'Yes, it would break her heart.' She looked at the dead face, and her eyes filled. "'I will write it,' she said. Hester carried it. The closing line said, "'Darling Mousie, dear sweet mother, we shall soon be together again. Is not that good news? And it is true.' They all say it is true. The mother mourned, saying, Poor child, how will she bear it when she knows? I shall never see her again in life. It is hard, so hard. She does not suspect. You guard her from that? She thinks you will soon be well. How good you are and careful, dear Aunt Hester. None goes near her who could carry the infection. It would be a crime. But you see her? With a distance between, yes. That is so good. Others one could not trust. But you two guardian angels, steel is not so true as you. Others would be unfaithful, and many would deceive and lie. Hester's eyes fell, and her poor old lips trembled. Let me kiss you for her, Aunt Hester, and when I am gone, and the danger is past, place the kiss upon her dear lips some day, and say her mother sent it, and all her mother's broken heart is in it. Within the hour Hester, raining tears upon the dead face, performed her pathetic mission. End of chapter 7 Chapter 8 Another day dawned, and grew, and spread its sunshine in the earth. Aunt Hannah brought comforting news to the failing mother, and a happy note, which said again, "'We have but a little time to wait, darling mother, then we shall be together.' The deep note of a bell came moaning down the wind. "'Aunt Hannah, it is tolling. Some poor soul is at rest, as I shall be soon.' You will not let her forget me? Oh, God knows she never will. Do not you hear strange noises, Aunt Hannah? It sounds like the shuffling of many feet. We hoped you would not hear it, dear. It is a little company gathering for, for Helen's sake, poor little prisoner. There will be music, and she loves it so. We thought you would not mind. Mind? Oh, no, no! Oh, give her everything her dear heart can desire! How good you two are to her, and how good to me! God bless you both always!" After a listening pause, "'How lovely! 
it is her organ is she playing it herself do you think faint and rich and inspiring chords floating to her ears on the still air yes it is her touch dear heart i recognize it they are singing why it is a hymn and the sacredest of all the most touching the most consoling it seems to open the gates of paradise to me if i could die now faint and far the words rose out of the stillness nearer my god to thee nearer to thee e'en though it be a cross that raiseth me with the closing of the hymn another soul passed to its rest and they that had been one in life were not sundered in death the sisters mourning and rejoicing said how blessed it was that she never knew End of chapter eight chapter nine at midnight they sat together grieving and the angel of the lord appeared in the midst transfigured with a radiance not of earth and speaking said for liars a place is appointed there they burn in the fires of hell from everlasting unto everlasting repent the bereaved fell upon their knees before him and clasped their hands and bowed their gray heads adoring but their tongues clove to the roof of their mouths and they were dumb speak that i may bear the message to the chancery of heaven and bring again the decree from which there is no appeal then they bowed their heads yet lower and one said our sin is great and we suffer shame but only perfect and final repentance can make us whole and we are poor creatures who have learned our human weakness and we know that if we were in those hard straits again our hearts would fail again and we should sin as before the strong could prevail and so be saved but we are lost they lifted their heads in supplication the angel was gone while they marveled and wept he came again and bending low he whispered the decree end of chapter nine chapter ten was it heaven or hell end of chapter ten and was it heaven or hell